Welcome to Photo Mission Focus, Discussing Photography, a podcast all about the things that we love about photography. This is Focus on Rotation, where I have different hosts joining me at the desk as we share and learn each week. Come and enjoy this week's episode with us. Welcome to Phone Emission Focus, discussing photography. Hi, I'm Steve Finkel, and on this episode of Focus, I'm flying solo. This episode of Focus, I want to talk about basically stop selling yourself short. Probably what I mean by that is about, and there's a lot of discussion around in the creative fields about people doing work and undervaluing, probably undervaluing their skill set and undervaluing their work. But there's a lot of companies out there that want to that try and get people to do stuff for basically very little money or, or no money whatsoever with the the idea of saying, oh, it's good for your exposure. And I think what's going to happen as photographers, we have to start educating people that, you know, the value of a photographer's work or the value of any other type of creative who actually, whether you're creating, you know, graphic designs or you're painting something or or you're photographing something, that doing those doing those things for no reward, no physical reward like you know being paid for it is really devaluing yourself and and really devaluing the whole industry and I think the the conversations must start around by educating people and people I think sometimes they're ignorant because photos photos one of those commodities I think that because it is seen everywhere you see them all over the internet you see photos you know on Instagram and Facebook and all these places where there's just you know seems to be a watch for photos so they seem like they're just a plentiful they're just a plentiful thing that there's just, you know, they're not worth much because they're everywhere. But the reality is for most people who create photos, there's been a lot of blood, sweat and tears, a lot of work gone into actually getting to the point of actually being able to create those photos. It's the old story. There's a there's a joke that used to be about a mechanic and um guy's car had broken down on the side of the road, couldn't start it and, you know, he calls the mechanic and the mechanic rolls up and the mechanic lifts the bonnet and looks under and you know, makes a few grunt noises and walks back to his truck and gets a hammer out of his truck and walks back to the uh, car and puts a hammer in the engine bay and gives it a swing and hits the on the engine, gives it a big clunk and then says to the guy, I'll oh, try it now. And he turns the key and bang, it starts straight away. And the guy goes, oh, that's amazing. Thank you very much. And the mechanic said, that'll be a hundred bucks, thanks. And the guy says, but you only hit it with a hammer. Yeah, but it's knowing where to hit it with the hammer. And I suppose what that means is really is the fact that it seems quite simple to press a shutter on the camera and just take a picture. It's not really that simple because there's a lot of other stuff that has had to go into it before that. So it's all the training and all the practice that you've done to get to a point where you can create images that are, uh, people would want to use on their website or images they want to use to advertise their business. To get to that level, it's taken you a lot of hours of work, probably invested a lot of money in equipment, and like I said, so at some point you have to start getting getting the money back. You have to start valuing your skill sets. Just like the mechanic in that joke, you know, about the knowing where to hit hit the hammer to kind of make the car restart. It's kind of like you've had to learn all that stuff. So you've there's a value in that. So your time is worth a certain value. And it's very hard like for people to equate to the fact that when you go to a medical specialist who, you know, if you go to someone who's a surgeon, highly qualified in the field, they charge a lot of money and typically because of their skills. And But the, to get to that skill, it's taken them many, 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 many years of working, probably not earning much money 
not earning as much um, money at all, but but um, building that skill set. So what you're doing is you're buying their expertise. So you're you're paying for somebody's expertise, and that's what's happening with photographers. When when someone wants your image, they actually want your expertise, and and that's it. And that's what sets photographers one photographer out from another is how much skill they have and the expertise and how much they've shot and the way they kind of, I suppose, go about their photography. And we see it all the time, like I said, where people, companies reach out to people and ask, oh, can you can you supply some images or, you know, we if you put your, you know, give us some images, we'll, you know, we'll kind of credit your name in there and yada, yada, yada. And as much as that's nice to get, obviously, um, credit because a lot of people just take images these days and just don't credit the photographer and that's, that's another whole, another whole conversation for another podcast about that type of activity. But in this one, I wanted to focus on the fact that what can we do as photographers to kind of change the tide, to kind of get people thinking about photography as a commodity, as as, a, as an actually tangible, valuable asset, something that's actually worth money. And it used to be, interestingly, before I got into doing the the podcasting side of things I actually worked in supermarkets I actually owned a supermarket for for seven years or so and one of the interesting things about owning a supermarket is and, and working with staff is is quite often the care for the stock so stock is you know the stuff you put on the shelves the jars of coffee whatever whatever and you know quite often people would be packing a shelf and then have this stuff left over and they just leave it kind of on the floor in the aisle where someone could come along with a trolley and hit into it and, and potentially dent it or break it or whatever and make it unsaleable. One of the exercises I used to do to demonstrate to people was, you know, like the, to the staff, like about the importance of caring for that stock that didn't fit on the shelf and putting it somewhere safe so it's not going to get damaged so it remains saleable. And you say to them, you know, they've got, you know, three or four jars of coffee sitting there worth, you know, 10 bucks a jar, whatever it is sitting there and, and on the floor and someone comes and crashes and trolling breaks them, then obviously they're worth nothing. You can't you can't sell it. So I'd come along and go, okay, what's the difference? So I'd take 30 bucks and my wallet and I'd lay 30 bucks on the floor and said, what's wrong with this scene? And they said, oh, well, you, you've put $30 on the floor. We wouldn't leave $30 sitting there. We'd pick it up. And I'm going, but you've got three jars of coffee there that are worth 30 bucks. So what's the difference? And it was to demonstrate the difference that, the coffee was actually seen in a completely different light. It wasn't seen to be a, the staff didn't see the value of the coffee. They didn't actually see that it was actually worth money. And that was the challenge to educate them to start thinking about, okay, this is actually, this is worth money. And if something happens to it and gets damaged, that's actually a loss. And the the sad thing for something like in a supermarket, if you did have those jars of coffee broken, it's not that you have to sell $30 worth of coffee, three other jars to make it up. You might only on those jars of coffee. You might only make two dollars a jar of coffee. So basically, you had to you had to sell so many extra jars of coffee just to make up that loss. So it was a you know a hard position to come back from. But that exercise used to work pretty well with staff. Sometimes I'd then get the picture and you'd find out that they'd be you know okay I don't want to, I shouldn't leave this here because it's dangerous and it could be broken. By putting a value onto those jars of coffee, putting it so people could see it in a monetary value, same thing needs to happen with um, photography. So you know, every time you see an image on the internet, it's like a it's like a dollar value. That 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 image is, has a certain worth to it because the person who created it actually had to go, they had to drive to the location, you know, they had to own the camera gear, they had to maintain the camera gear, 
they probably had to shoot hours and hours and hours previously to get their skills up to get that image. So the actual real cost of that image is sometimes really hard to actually calculate the exact value of what that image is worth. But it is worth something. And if we keep giving images away to people and keep letting people use images for um, no value and no monetary value back, then people will continue to think like the jars of coffee. They'll just seem to think that they're not, well, they're just a jar of coffee. It's just a picture. Like it's, you know, it's not, not worth anything, is it really? It's getting that mindset and getting people, educating people to think differently about things like what something's worth. And like I said, photography, we're in a, in a situation where, you know, social media has been a great tool for sharing your work that you can have work spread right across the world now very, very easily by posting on Instagram or Facebook or one of those other social media sites and your images instantly appear all around the world. The downside has been obviously that anyone can take one of those images and use it how they see fit and you may never, never know what's happened to that image or how it's been used. Recently, you know, one of the groups, I mean, you know, popped up that people, you know, had realised that some website was using their images on their website so they basically grabbed their images and, and had been using them, not paying for them. So it happens all the time and it happens more often than people and, – and look, most people who's probably posted a picture have probably had a picture stolen but aren't even aware that it's been stolen because it's so hard to track down unless somebody sees that image – and this is what happens. Sometimes some another photographer friend will see one of your images, use someone and go, oh, that's such and such as image. I, I recognise that image. Usually – but that, that doesn't happen that often. So, like, so for the main part, most people's images get – kind of taken and used around the world without a photographer ever knowing that has happened and you know that that's why some people won't put images up on the on the net like people are really guarded about their images and it doesn't really matter like people go oh, i'll just put up really low res but depending on where they're using them if they're using them on a, on a kind of a web type platform the images don't need to be that high resolution to still look okay on a web page so it's kind of hard to and even putting watermarks and things on them and if you put your watermark right for the image, it spoils it for everybody and everyone who does that. Most people get cop a lot of criticism about, well, you could put such a big watermark for the middle of the image, I can't really see the image that well. It kind of defeats both sharing the image. If the watermark's put down discreetly, like most people do, like they put a discreet watermark in the corner, people can either crop the image to, to lose the watermark or they can you know go in and edit it out using... Um, you know, one of the many tools in Photoshop, like a heel tool where they heal that section of the image or clone something over the top of it to, to completely block out the, the watermark. So watermarks aren't a kind of a way to be keep safe. So you're going to continue to post on social media and you're going to continue to, we're going to continue to see people taking images. So it's not going to be really, there's not really, a, I suppose, a simple fix where you can say, yeah, watermark will protect me. It won't really protect your image. I think it's got to come back from education. It's educating people. It's educating companies that they just can't take images and just use them willy-nilly. You know, it's the same. Most people these days realise, like, you can't go and copy a paragraph out of a book and then use that somewhere and then kind of even try by putting it on something that you might have done is essentially trying to claim that, you know, that those words. And most people are kind of aware of the fact that plagiarism Taking those, taking that other person's work and using it in in a document of your own, isn't the right thing to do. So it's no different to taking a photograph that someone else has taken and using it, because a lot of people won't, like I said, might assume that that image was taken by for that 
particular company or whatever by someone in that company and, and not really even think about maybe how they got hold of it. So I think it's really um, it's a really difficult nut to crack. So it is a really difficult one and very difficult to police. But I think the more conversations you can have with potential clients or people or companies that you see that are using other people by suggesting to them, say, well, think about it. So you're, you're a bag company, you sell bags and you make your living by selling bags. And so people will online purchase your bag or if you've got a shop front, they'll come in and buy your bag. And you've taken someone's pictures of, you know, someone wearing one, one of your backpacks that someone else has taken and you're using it in advertising to sell your bags. If that photographer walked into your store or your or you know went through your online platform and said, "Oh, I want one of those bags, but I'm I'm not going to pay for it. I just want to wear it. Um, I only want it for a day, so just to wear around the city a bit, and then I'll bring it back." You you know they'd look at you and go, "Well, you can't do that. You need to buy it." Well, hang on a minute, but but you're happy to take a picture off the off the web that that person's has created and put it on your website and use it without giving them any kind of monetary reward. So it's it's kind of putting that tangible value back onto photos and letting people know and letting companies know that photographs cost money. So they cost money to create. And if you want to do the right thing by photographers, and I think all companies do need this shake-up. So all companies need to start thinking about if they, and it's funny one of the things, it's probably one of the few things that in companies, like if they need, if they need new stationery, they'll go out and pay for the stationery. If they need new, um, you know, new office chairs, they'll go out and buy the office chairs. They need new computers. They need whatever equipment they need to do their office. They're happy to go out and pay that money to buy those items to use in their business. But then when they want to put up a producer flyer or, or producer, do, do their website or whatever, then they're happy just to try and steal or, or take someone's images and use them and not pay for them. And again, I think it's about this education of educating consumers, the people who consume pictures, whether it be end users, whether they be companies or whatever, that photographs are a an item of value and they are an item that you must, you know, if you want to use that, that photo, you need to make sure you reimburse the, the photographer in whatever means that that photographer is comfortable with. And it's not always, you know, some photographers are happy to take goods in kind. So rather than, you know, it might be an exchange of services. I mean, this happens quite often with with um, model, models get building a portfolio. There's the you know, trade for print um, thing, which has gone on for years where photographers will basically, you know, take pictures of the model, which creates pictures for the photographer for their portfolio, but also creates pictures for the model's portfolio. So it's kind of a, um, I'll trade my time for your time as a model and your time as a photographer. So sometimes those arrangements are fine, but that's you, you're going into those arrangements um, with your eyes wide open and you're doing it because that's something that you're aware of how it's going to be used or how the images are going to, how they're going to be exchanged or shared. And I think that's the difference is, you know, you can go into a situation where you may supply images and not actually charge a monetary value to the, to the person using it, the company using it, but you might want in, you know, for the bag company, you might say, okay, look, I'm happy to provide this picture of, of this backpack being worn in lieu of like, if I'm, yeah, I want a couple of backpacks or whatever it is that you're, if it's something that you can use or something that you need, it might be that you can do it in goods or, or services that that company might provide. 
sometimes, I mean, it's, and there's nothing wrong with providing stuff when it's your choice to provide stuff free of charge. And I've done it many times for different organisations, particularly like charitable organisations, organisations who are trying to look after the environment. There's a lot of photographers will, will you know, gift photos to those organisations um, to to use to obviously help their lift their profile and because the photographer generally kind of believes in what they're doing, that company's doing is, and it's their way of helping. So like I said, there's nothing wrong with actually sometimes using your photography in a way where, but the, the difference is that you need to be in charge. So you need to be the person who's calling the shots and saying, yes, I'll give you these photos or no, you can have these photos, but they're going to cost X amount to, for you to use them or you need to reimburse me with a certain amount of, of um, credit. And it might be like a magazine that, that wants to use one of your some of your images and that magazine might be in an area that you kind of do in, in photography where you might want to you potentially advertise some of your services. You might run trips or, or, or do some other type of educational thing. That So sometimes, you know, deals are struck where it's, okay, well, I'll – I'll supply these images, you supply me a page of editorial or a page of advertising or whatever in your magazine and we'll call it quits. So, I mean, the barter system, bartering has been around for a long time. So, you know, before before money or currency really existed, I think, you know, the bartering system was the way that the world worked, that people, you know, who grew something would trade that for someone who, you know, could do something else, a blacksmith or whatever. So people traded their trade their skills to get what they needed and then obviously as currency systems developed around the world and you know then there was a, a clear path of way of, of charging and for your services and then buying other services that you need whether you needed to buy go to the grocer and buy some from food or whatever or whether you needed to um to get a carpenter in to come to, to fix a door or whatever so those, you know, that's how we've kind of developed but things like bartering still very much alive today but there's a lot of people who kind of get involved in bartering and, and doing that type of stuff. And again, that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that if you're calling the shots and it's being done on your terms. What I'm probably, you know, talking about in this episode is is about trying to work out how we get that education process, how we actually educate the people who consume photography, like the people like who take or, or take stuff without wanting to pay for it by keep telling them, you know, keep saying to people, these these are actually my stock in trade. These are my jars of coffee that I sell. So, you know, they're worth something. So I need to get a certain amount of money for each time this image is used or this image is printed or whatever the other arrangements that you do. And like I said, everyone's going to have different arrangements where they, they kind of have a royalty, um, whether they get paid a royalty every time that image is used or whether they get um, a one-off payment to for someone to use that image. Again, but that should be all done by the photographer. So that should all those decisions should be made by the photographer. So it makes the photographer uh, in the driver's seat and in control. Because, like I said, it's kind of at the moment. I hear so many stories from so many photographer friends where, like I said, where they've had stuff used and not being reimbursed for it. And um, when they've actually approached the company, the, the company's kind of like just like, well, what are you talking about? It's just a photo that was on the web. Like you know, that's nothing. It's no biggie, like I didn't steal the crown jewels. And again, it's because they just don't know better. I mean, people know what they know and some people just don't know much about, I suppose, the, the, the creative world and that people who create stuff, whether it be, you know, whether they, you know, 
draw something or paint something or they photograph something that there's a lot of stuff gone into before that point to get to that skill level so they could actually paint that picture or whatever and you see this happens all the time where people have a blank wall somewhere and they want an artist to come in and oh it'd be great you can put your name up there and you can paint this wall and and the person's actually getting this value but what what value is the artist getting like it's exposure and these days like i said it's it's very hard to kind of i suppose quantify what exposure is worth i mean people think just because you do something that what people are going to beat a path to your door to get them to paint your building the side of your building or photograph a picture that you're going to have blown up and printed and put on the side of the building that doesn't really happen unfortunately in the real world it doesn't happen at all that you know it doesn't really work so i think for most creatives you need to get paid at the point of um, doing something you know rather than thinking about well i'll do this and then it'll flow in from this will flow work the reality is you know it doesn't really happen i mean i've been in business now for nearly 40 years and you know i've chosen to do stuff free of charge or whatever and gift stuff but for different reasons um and in the early days i did do stuff because i'm you know told that oh if you do this you know you'll get the, you'll get these benefits and people will know it and it just never happened seriously it just didn't happen because people forget because the trouble is there's another person so it's kind of like a i suppose i just use up and the next person who comes along who who goes oh well you know if you give me your photos and it'll be good exposure for you so i mean there's you can just keep going around the you know around the block just picking up people to and, and picking up people's work and using it and not having to pay for it and some companies are actually notorious for doing it where they just basically try to get as much free content as they can and one of the things that's happened i suppose with the world of social media it's such a hungry beast that um, if you are feeding a social media account, you have to keep the content coming. It just needs, yeah, it's just kind of like a, you know, like a freight train coming through. It just keeps going. Like it's like you just got to keep putting more coal on the fire. You just keep the beast burning. You have to just keep feeding it. So people are hungry to get content. So quite often, like I said, people will go to and companies will go to whatever length they need to go to to get a a, a images to use and interesting i was at a i was at a, a job the other day and in the background there was a conversation going on if one of the people in there who was actually talking on the phone to one of his co-workers who was designing up something and he was obviously they were they were doing a like a shared connection so on his laptop he could see what the other person was doing on their laptop and he's looking through and he says i'm reading this stuff he says this stuff looks like it's something you've just copied and pasted straight off the web and the person's going, oh, yeah, I found it on such and such. And they said, well, you can't do that. When We're not going to put something up that's word for word that you've just copied. And this other person thought, oh, there's nothing wrong. Everyone does it. And at least in that company, that person had the scruples to go, no, 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 we don't steal other people's work and put it up and then try and palm it off as their house. And said to this person, you need to go and rewrite this and submit it to me and then I'll approve it and then we'll do it. But it needs to be in your writing. You need to, and it needs not to be, like I said, just copied and pasted off someone's website. So it's great that there is people out there who actually do think about these things and think about that, you know, you just can't go out there and just steal people's work and then, you know, use it and not kind of reimburse them in any way. And I think, like I said, it's it's a... It's a challenge for photographers moving forward and you know you couldn't even calculate how much revenue has been lost by photographers through stolen work and it's just 
you know, it's going to be billions and billions and billions of dollars every year. But, you know, like I said, what can we do? Again, it's going to be very difficult, but I think we have to have those conversations, but we have to educate people. We have to educate clients. And when, when you give a client a quote, quite often they'll come back to you and go, I didn't think it was going to be that expensive. So sometimes you have to kind of, I suppose, justify your charges. And I, I, I get this in business quite often where people will come back and say, oh, it's, it's, that's a lot more than I thought it would be. And when you actually explain to them, you know, basically, okay, well, I've got to do this, this and this. It's not like, yeah, I might go out and, you know, I'm on, I'm, I'm on set for half an hour shooting these pictures. It's when I get back to the office that I've got to go through these images, got to kind of work through them, and then I've got to retouch them, and then I've got to get them to a point where into the format that you can use them and, and I spend more time sitting there doing that. It's like the podcast. So I'll sit down and I'll record a podcast and I might record a 30-minute podcast. So once I've finished recording the podcast and then I have to go into start editing that file because there's always edits. There's always times like just, you know, just before I started this podcast, our building's located close to a train line and um, when a, like, a, like an express train or goods train comes through, you can actually feel the vibration in the building and there's a little bit of noise. So I, I had to just pause talking about it until the train passed. And then what I'll do is obviously I'll in post, I'll go in, edit all that out, and then I'll just pick up from where the train's vibration stopped and I can then continue my conversation. So there's always a lot of work to do after the fact. And so half an hour podcast, quite often, time I edit it, get it ready to be posted can anywhere between like an hour and a half after the fact. So, to, you know, if you looked at the time to make a podcast and then I've obviously got to upload it, those type of things. So it could take anywhere up to two and a half hours to create a 30-minute podcast ready for publishing. Um, so, again, these are things that people don't realize. They think, oh, yes, 30 minutes. It's just 30 minutes of his time. He should only be charging me X amount of dollars. And, you know, no, not really. It's all this other stuff that happens. And going back to the, you know, the story about the, the, the joke about the mechanic with the hammer and hitting it and knowing where to hit it, you know, that mechanic learnt that from years and years of trial and error. What happens in an engine and knowing that something might stick and a, a short, sharp shock banging on the side of the starter motor will release it and that will, will work again. And again, but it said it's taken years and years of time. So that's where some people can really value or are really good at valuing their time. So they're really good at actually going out there and putting a price on their experience because that's what you need to do. You need to also value your experience, um, not just your time. So it's just, and again, and then educating what you're getting, the client is getting or the person who's, you know, getting you to do something for them. What they're actually getting is, yeah, they're getting that that physical time, the half an hour or whatever you're on site. And then, but then they're getting all your experience and time where you can go and um, edit that up. And it's, it's the same, the same thing happens, like, like I said, with um, having that experience and means you can walk up on site and you can have the lights set up. You can have everyone positioned, you know how to pose people because you've done it before and you can bang off the shots really quickly. And it looks like really you've done it with little or no effort. Reality is, you knew all that stuff, so you learnt it. So the first time you ever did it, you might have been on site for two hours shooting the exact same content because you had to position lights, you had to move people around, you had them sitting this way, then you realised that didn't look good, so you moved them another way, and you end up shooting all this extra stuff. From your experience, you learn 
about what works. It's like any field of anything that someone does is as you do it as you do it often and you get good at it, when you get up to the next job, you kind of in autopilot mode because you know what to do. You know a lot of the things that have to happen and you can just do it automatically. For people on the outside looking in, they don't they don't see that. They just see this person comes up and they've just popped a light here and they've just put a chair here and then they've got asked the person to sit here and look here and they've pressed it and there's a flash going off and this has happened and bang and then next, you know, bang and move the person through. That's all they see and they just don't understand that there's so much more to the creative field. It's exactly the same as all the creative all the creative pursuits out there that um, they all took a lot of training. Like, yeah, for people who say make something and they use a sewing machine to sew up some costumes or whatever and someone says, oh, if you make the costumes for this play, you know, we'll make sure, we, you know, we'll tell everyone about your, your dressmaking services or whatever. The reality is that you might have had to spend months perfecting using the sewing machine getting the stitching right being able to, to do all that type of stuff and again this is what people don't see and people don't understand and it's i suppose our jobs as, as creatives to educate people and let people see that everything that happens is is valuable and we need to make sure that we price ourselves and we don't sell ourselves short i think it's a really important thing it's a good conversation to start having and I think it's a conversation as photographers and creators we should have more more, and we should kind of, yeah, definitely try to educate people. Anyway, this has been Steve Finkel for Photo Mission Focus discussing photography. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully it's got you thinking about your value and maybe how you next time approach something and maybe educate people along the way. Until next time, enjoy your photography and talk to you real soon. See ya. That's all for this episode this week. Thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment and don't forget to follow us on your favourite podcast app and social media sites. Remember, photography is a pursuit where there's always something new to learn. Safe and happy shooting, everyone.